Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. I'm your host, Chuck Dallas. I have more than 10 years of experience with mergers and acquisitions, both from a corporate perspective and as an outside advisor. Today, we're visiting with Scott Bushke, owner and managing director at Cornerstone Business Services. Welcome, Scott. Hello, Chuck. Great to have you with us again. Was visiting with a client recently, and they said, I'm thinking of selling. You know, I know my business. I think this is something I could do myself, and I think I'll just call a competitor and see if I can't get this transaction done. Scott, what's wrong with that approach? Yeah, unfortunately, that's an approach I think a lot of folks have because, again, they don't know what they don't know. And the whole M&A world, especially the low middle market, just not a lot of transparency out there. So they just think what's logical and they go, oh, well, my competitor does what I do. It'd be great if they could buy me out. And that way they would have one less competitor and it might make a whole lot of sense. The problem is, is that, number one, they're going to just one buyer, which is wrong because if there's only one buyer at the table, you know, who has the leverage? The buyer has the leverage, not you. So you're going to leave money on the table from there. Number two, a lot of times they'll call their competitor and say, you know, hey, you want to learn more? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to learn more. You know, who wouldn't want to learn all about their competitors? So we've seen, unfortunately, too many times when they're not working with us, they try to do it themselves. And uh, the competitor says, oh, yeah, but, you know, if I'm going to give you an offer, I'm going to need to see your financials for the last three years. And, boy, I don't, you know, I'm going to have to understand better what your org structure looks like. And, you know, why do you think you're a saleable company? Or what's your secret sauce? Or what do you bring into the table that I don't have? Sometimes they even get into customers. Sometimes it's just how big are the customers, customer A, customer B, 20% or 5%. I actually have read about uh, horror stories where they actually given the customer list. Yeah, here, oh yeah, you, you know, they keep telling them what they want to hear. And yep, here's the customer list. And now they know who are their top 10 customers, what percentage they can see, even margin sometimes. The few that actually get done, you know, again, you're going to leave money on the table, but many will say, okay, here's my offer. And it's typically low because they know they want to sell and there's no other competition. So why would I offer a bunch of money? And if you don't like it, tough. Or I don't even put an offer in at all because I go, man, they just gave me the key key to the city. I, why do I need to buy anything? I've got the key to the store. Let's go. I'm going to loot this thing. It's unfortunate because most business owners, again, they only go through this process once in their entire life. And what's anything that we've done really well the first time? Not to mention that it's your largest financial transaction of your life, typically. Most of our sellers emotionally describe this as giving up one of your kids for adoption. So you've got all the emotion tied into that of your business, the blood, sweat, and tears. And on top of that, you're dealing typically with buyers who have done this multiple times. So thinking of it like the uh, boxing analogy I've used before, you can read all the books in, uh, on boxing. You can watch YouTube videos on boxing. And then you jump into the ring, you know, with a boxer who's 36 and two. How do you think that's going to go? <laughs> right. You know, probably not very well. Well, that's the same thing that happens with business owners is they've never done this before. But they go, well, darn it, I'm an entrepreneur. I can figure this out. I figured out everything else. I know my business better than anybody else. And they try doing this on their own and they just make the same mistakes over and over and over again that other sellers have made. Because again, nobody wants to say, oh yeah, I screwed up. I want you to learn from all my mistakes. Everything's done on a confidential basis because no one wants anybody to know that they're thinking about selling their company. So it's just history continues to repeat itself. It's kind of the, you know, the definition of insanity, but because of the confidential nature, it just happens over and over again. And it just doesn't go well because these buyers are, are trained. You know, these private equity firms and family offices have people that wake up every day knowing their only job is to buy companies. 
and they do it very, very well. And their job is not to be nice and be fair. Their job is to get the best price and structure for their partners or their investors. Right. So not only on the sell side, do you want to have an M&A advisor alongside you to match with with wit or you know knowledge is power, and they understand the process. You know, I've gone through it hundreds of times over 20 years and understand what the process is and basically create options. We always say at Cornerstone, we give the gift of both time and money. You know, we're going to give you the peace of mind because we're not going to just going to hopefully bring one buyer to the table. We're going to bring multiple buyers to the table and then allow you to choose what's the best fit for you. Who do you think fits best for what you're trying to accomplish or what's most important to you? And that allows you to go out on your terms better, allows you to know that you didn't leave any money on the table and no sleepless nights. And that's what we get excited about is doing that. And not only is it the eminent advisor obviously is key, but also on the sales side, having the right CPA. A lot of times your CPA is good and they can do complex tax analysis and everything else. And sometimes they might not do that work. Well, then again, don't fire your CPA. Just find someone that does that and kind of bring them in as the hired expert to work with your CPA but you need to understand what you can do to save tax dollars because there's some different trusts and different things that you can set up ahead of times and different ways of doing things that you can save a lot of taxes. And we just learned at a course that I took last week that if you're a C-Corp that you bought or started after, I think it was you know, some date in 1993, you might be able to, uh, in sales a stock deal, you might be able to take anywhere from 50 to 100% of your taxes off the table and defer them to a later date or indefinitely. Sure. So most CPAs don't understand that. So you need to write, work with the ones that work with business transactions a lot. But probably the biggest piece of the puzzle is you run your business for 30 years. You do all of these things right. We help find you multiple buyers, get you the right tax analysis we, you know, with the CPA. We get a great offer, but now it comes to the attorney. And this is where you need to make sure that you have the right attorney on board, because here's what I've seen is that, well, again, Joe, my attorney, you know, he's helped me set up my company. He set up a couple of LLCs. He's done some of my collections when he's needed to. He's always been there for me in general business, setting up contracts and things like that. But he or she might have not done an M&A transaction before or sold a company before. And this is not the time to be loyal. You know, I, I kind of look at them as think of this as brain surgery and they're your general doctor. You're going there for your physicals, annual physical, your bumps and bruises and coughs. But now you got brain surgery just because they know your body better than anybody else for the last 20 years. Is that who you want having brain surgery, which could be a live or die type of a situation? Right. With major outcomes. And that's really what you have here. So you need to bring in the right M&A attorney. And, and we recommend, you know, there's a handful of, of attorneys that we've worked with successfully that we really recommend. And we don't care who you work with. It's just a matter of working with one that's a specialist. That can make all the difference in the world. You know, a lot of times it might be less money. I had one deal over in Michigan that we did where the attorney was the seller's attorney. And we very strongly encouraged him to work with one of the attorneys that we recommended. And he's like, nope, my guy is going to be good. And at the end of the day, which should have been a $50,000 probably fee for the size of his deal in the mid-20s, it was more like a... Uh, $111,000. So he actually had to pay double and the deal was blew up many times only to have this guy kind of tra get trained on the job, so to speak. So wow. it was kind of a double whammy. He almost blew up the deal multiple times and he had to pay double just because of all the extra hours from legal that they had to put in to try to get this thing, uh, get this thing done right. So the M&A attorney is so important to have the right attorney. And again, you don't fire your regular attorney. You keep them in the loop because they're going to have a lot of documents that you need and they're part of the team. But the M&A attorney is the one who's going to put together the purchase agreement and kind of drive the process. And then once it's done, then you go back to your regular attorney again. So it's all about specialties because, again, this is typically a once-in-a-lifetime transaction or event. And you want to make sure that you do it right and you have the right team around you. When people don't have the right teams, they have got a great company, but they try to do it on the cheap or with people that they know, and it blows up. And now they call and say, well, you know, yeah, we went to market last year. It didn't work out, but now we want you to do it, right? No harm, no foul, right? And unfortunately, you know, there is harm because you've 
Maybe you put a price tag out there. You know, maybe you've uh, tainted the buyers, and for whatever reason, now they don't want to deal with you, or they've got a not as good of a picture of what you or your company is, or what it could be. And what happens a lot of times too is if you're doing that, it's not like this is a part-time job. I mean, this is a full-time job. So you're running your current business, plus you picked up a new full-time job that you've never done before, and trying to do it as best as you possibly can. And what happens is you typically take your eye off the ball, and also now after a year later, you're not successful. You've maybe told people what you wanted, which maybe now you put a ceiling on your company's value and you're not going to get the total highest and best price out there. But also it's kind of shop worn and also now profits and sales are down 10, 15, 20% and it's where it was steady or growing. Now you've got a whole different story that we're trying to tell and it's a much harder sale when things are declining versus if things are steady or growing. So it's really important to get the right team around you from a sell side and know who it is, know that they're all working together, that you all we're on the same page of what you're trying to accomplish. Again, what's important to you in the transaction. So everybody is working as a team to maximize what's important to you, allow you as a seller to go out on your terms. And even flipping over onto the buy side, you want to have your team put together because in today's day and age, there are so many buyers out there, so many more buyers out there than there are sellers, is that any advantage you can have, you want to have. One of them is these sellers, once they decide they want to sell, they might have thought about it for two years, but now that they've decided, now they're in this limbo. I own this company. I'm trying to sell it. I I want to retire or whatever it might be. They want that thing sold as quickly as possible, not because there's anything wrong with the company. It's just an emotional draining kind of spot to be, and the less they're there, the better. So to have your team pulled together, so for you, again, it would be, do you have an M&A advisor helping you find the deal? typically would have one that really try to drive as many different targets to you as possible. So you're not just working with one seller, but you're working with three or four sellers at one time. So again, you've got the leverage as a buyer that if I don't like you, I'll go over to this other one. They're a nice company as well. But have you talked with a lender or lenders? You know what you can get done. They're familiar with you and your company or you as an individual or a firm, whatever it might be. And you know how much they're going to lend on the multiples of EBITDA. You know what size of deal they think they can get done with you. And you're set up there. You've got your CPA on board to do the Q of E or any other financial due diligence. You already have the due diligence list put together of what you're going to need, you know, or at least the uh, the generic ones there that you can then customize to each, you know, for whatever deal that you're looking at. You've got the right attorney there. So when you find a deal that you like and you want to put together an LOI, it's not like, okay, great. Now let me go look and find an attorney and spend some time interviewing attorneys and eventually pick one. And then I'll have them draft something. So it's a month from now before you're drafting an LOI, you know, you could put all this time and effort in to find a great company only to have another buyer call. And they're like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm letting Chuck take a run at this thing. Now this other Joe guy called, well, yeah, I guess Joe, if you want to look at it, I'm letting Chuck look at it. And next thing you know, you know, you spend all this time and effort and you lose the deal because you couldn't move quickly enough. So, Right. As a buyer, you don't want to rush things and miss steps, but you also don't want to drag things on. So the more you're organized up front, the more you have your team put together, you know what you're looking for, you know what your strategy is, and the team's on board, you're going to have a much better chance of getting a deal. We're, you know, we're closing on a deal here now at the end of the year. And we had five or six different letter of intents come in on this company. The company that we ended up going with, not only was there good value there and a good cultural fit, but we felt they were the most assured to close and could close the quickest because they had done the most research up front, proved to us they had the investors on board, proved to us they had the bankers on board, had already done industry research in the space, and they were ready to close in you know 55 days, which is reasonable, but fairly quick, where some might do 60s, a lot might want to do 90 or even 120. So that was one of the factors. We said, you know what, these guys can get it done by the end of the year with Biden, you know, in the election. We don't know if taxes are going to go up in 2021 or they're going to get retroactive back to January 1. Let's be safe. 
safe and let's push like heck to get this thing done at the end of the year. And that way they're going to save, could be hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes if, if taxes would go up anytime in 2021. So being organized, having the right team around, whether it's sell side or buy side, I can't tell you how much that will help you be successful, whether you're looking to sell your company and maximize what's important to you, or if you're looking to grow through acquisition and really want to have a competitive edge against all the other buyers that are out there. And that's great insight, Scott. I mentioned to a few clients, there's also for on the sell side for that team is looking at somebody within the wealth management versus maybe just your normal financial planner. And I think you've talked about that as well. I mean, all of a sudden we're talking millions and it's a lot different than what it is putting some money in for your kid's college. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a good point. Yeah, we've talked about it in other episodes, but yes, to have the right financial advisor and not to meet with them after the fact. Again, by meeting with them early before you even go to market, you know, you're going to know, like we talked about in other episodes, you know, the three-legged stool. Before any seller goes to market, they should do three things. Number one, get an estimate of value done. You know, we do the estimates of value for just two grand right now. Understand realistically, what is your market worth in today's marketplace? Looking at what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on in the industry and everything else. Number two, so I know my gross number or my total number, let's just say it's 10 million. So what, what am I going to net out of that? So then again, working with the CPA, what's my worst case scenario and what are some ways I can save money in different tax saving strategies and, and look at that. And maybe it's $6 million is what they're going to net out after fees and debt and taxes. Okay, great. But what do I need with that financial advisor? What do I need to live my ideal lifestyle? Because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing this for anyways, right? You know, Mr. and Mrs. Business Owner, you really want to be able to move on to the next chapter of your life, whatever that is, and live your ideal lifestyle or work only because you want to, not because you have to, or work part-time, not nights and weekends like you did, you know, for the last 10 years of your life or whatever it might be. If you don't know that the net number meets or exceeds the lifestyle number, they're going to be sleepless nights. You're going to wonder, man, is this enough? Is it not enough? Well, maybe I'll pull the plug on this deal only to find out that, oh man, I could have lived my ideal lifestyle and an extra million dollars. Knowledge is power. And by bringing up, like you talked about, Chuck, to have those three people do the work. Now you've got your net number and your lifestyle number. You know, realistically, what can get done in the marketplace. Now you're making a move with power and with confidence. You're not hoping and praying and wishing that it's enough at the end of the day. And, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. And that's just a scary place to be, again, as you have one chance to do this thing right. Exactly. Thank you, Scott, for that input on how to really set yourself up for a succession plan as you're looking to sell your business and as you put out there also in buying businesses and how to be prepared. Thank you very much. Again, folks, we've been visiting with Scott Bushke, owner and managing director at Cornerstone Business Services. Thanks for being with us today, Scott. Thanks, Chuck. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again next Thursday with a brand new episode.